Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of March 30th, 2021, and this is officially episode number 473, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. Yes, the end of March is here, one more day after today, and uh, it's officially April Fool's Day, and uh, more importantly for me, opening day for baseball. It won't be opening day for me. Uh, my team is in Chicago on the road for a couple of games, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll probably still get snow here in Cleveland, so I'm not uh, overly excited about that. But just to watch baseball and, and to See some actual real people in the crowd instead of cardboard cutouts is going to be kind of exciting. I don't think I'll be going to a game anytime soon, but uh, really excited to see uh, baseball. I know basketball has been going on and all that stuff, but uh, I don't know. To me, this it's just the, uh, the beginning of spring and uh, the hint of summer right around the corner. So I'm excited for that this week. Uh, I'll be at home on Thursday watching the game. At home, uh, probably cooking some hot dogs. Uh, probably not outside. It's supposed to be really, really cold. So we'll see what happens. And uh, of course, April Fool's Day also on Thursday. Good thing I'm not working. Somebody always says something really weird that they do. Um, and of course, last year it was kind of subdued because of the serious mood from uh, COVID-19. I think it was just coronavirus back in April last year but uh this year i think people are going to pull out some promotions some stuff that they didn't do last year so keep your eyes peeled and and don't don't fall for it you know if, if uh, uh burger king has something where you can actually drive through the the restaurant to pick up your food or something weird i don't know what's going to happen uh don't believe it you know if taco bell says they're going to buy the uh, liberty bell again don't fall for it like some people did uh, way back. That was a while ago. It was uh, gosh, what, 10 years ago, something like that. Somebody fell for that. And every year, it's, it just seems like it's more, um, you know, people create products or things that are just really so outlandish. Although sometimes you kind of wonder, hmm, I might buy that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just keep your... Keep watching. Um, so let me think here. I know I know the April Fool's history. It started, it's really, really old. It's not anything recent. Um, somebody in chat asked the question, um, who started April Fool's? I know it's, it's really, really old. It's like 1500s-ish. Um, maybe I got fooled. When I read that, I'm not sure. Uh, I know that's it's also something with the calendar flip back in the uh, late 1500s. I'm trying to remember the year. Uh, yeah, but it was uh, 
it was in Europe. It was the Europeans. They started it because the calendars changed. Everything flipped. We're off by a couple of weeks or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, way back when. I forget who. But, yeah, it was uh, it was in England. Yeah, let's go with England. That sounds good. That's good. That sounds good. Uh, so, anyway, tonight, yes, we have some news. Some different things going on other than baseball and April Fool's Day. Uh, also, Easter. Can't forget about that coming up on Sunday. Um, yeah, got to work for that, but that's okay. That's all right. Um, got a lot of crazy stuff here in the news. So we're going to talk some lake monsters. Yes, plural, more than one. Uh, we've got some, uh, we got proof of Bigfoot now. We'll talk about that. Uh, talk about some, uh, cattle mutilations. Really fun, awesome topic to talk about, uh, Oh, before I get too far ahead, uh, con—I'm uh, gonna say concerts, uh, conventions, and uh, conferences and conventions is what I meant to say. We got a new one. I got a post. I got to put up on the website. Uh, it's called Paracon. Paracon, the extra N there. So yeah, Paracon with two Ns. Pretty clever and. Uh, you might not guess where it's at. Yes, Connecticut. Uh, insomnia, not insomnia, but in, insomnia, Connecticut. Uh, that's going to be Saturday and Sunday, July 24th and 25th. Doors open at 11 o'clock daily. Uh, I think it uh, was billed as Connecticut's first paranormal convention. I don't think that's true because I think they had one. A few years ago, five or six years ago, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't live there. Um, Got to get that on the calendar. Uh, also have, let's see, this weekend. I know there's one this weekend here. Uh, yeah, the Squatch Fest 2021. Last time I checked a few days ago, that one is still on. So it's still going to happen. Uh, that one is in Longview, Washington. It's kind of a haul for me. I don't think I'll make that one. But uh, Squatch Fest 2021, April 2nd and 3rd in Longview, Washington, happening this weekend. And trying to keep this uh, updated, but I'm not trying to um, – I'm not going to invest too much time in it with uh, things possibly getting delayed or possibly uh, getting canceled or postponed. And everything that happened like last year was just insane. I don't think it will be that that bad this year. Hopefully not. Uh, of course, the CDC is panicking, uh, saying it's going to be chaos and mayhem or whatever word she used. But um, we'll see. We'll see how things play out. Get your shots, and uh, we'll get back to normal. It's kind of weird, too, about baseball players. I was listening to uh, the news about the baseball players, and they're saying um, how uh, 85% of your team gets – the COVID vaccine, then you, you can do whatever you want. You can hang out with your friends and family. You can go wherever you want. You don't have to wear a mask. So we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, the event is indoors. I forget where it's at. It's uh, in an armory, the haunted Ansania Armory. I'm sure that's indoors. Um, not sure how big that's going to be, but yeah. 
We'll see. Yeah. First one in Connecticut. We shall see. And, yeah, that's about it. That's all I have for the beginning of April. April is generally a pretty big month, and I think we're going to have a lot more um, that are going to go on. And we'll see. And, yeah, again, I don't want to get too far ahead. I used to, you know, read up for the whole month. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to wait on that. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. So let's go ahead and jump into cryptid news. That's what you came here for, for the news, right? And, yes, the Loch Ness Monster has made the news again. How exciting. Love this guy. I know a lot of people, uh, some people love him and some people hate him. Or her, whatever it is. I don't know. I have to go in the water, I guess, to to see what that's all about. But uh, the Loch Ness Monster has been sighted for the fifth time this year in 2021. However, as exciting as that sounds, it's just like the last four times. Uh, Kaylin Wangle of the United States, she's actually, I think she lives in Washington State, uh, she had the first sighting of the Loch Ness Monster back on January 11th via the Loch Ness webcam. And now she's back with the fish fifth official. That's what, yeah, fish, fifth official. It's one word now. Uh, fifth official sighting according to the official Loch Ness Monster sightings register. And uh, if you could look that up, you can see all the official sightings. Uh, all collected by uh, Gary Campbell. He's the the uh, sightings register holder person thingy on the website. Uh, of her sighting, she said, quote, on March 17th at uh, 4.15 p.m., 16.15, so it'd be 4.15 p.m., a very large uh, dark shape appears to be swimming from left to right at the very front of the shore. It seems to be making a wave for a bit, and either surfaces for a second or just under the surface. At 4.17 p.m., it goes behind a tree on the right and doesn't pop back up, unquote. Uh, so, of course, it doesn't actually go behind the tree, but it's from the vantage point of the webcam that it goes behind a tree. It'd be kind of cool to see uh, Loch Ness Monster going old school like it did in the 20s and 30s, or I guess like the 30s and 40s, uh, that it actually got out of the water and, and walked around. Uh, people thought they saw it crossing the street a few times. Uh, not so much anymore. Uh, Kaylin put up a five-minute and ten-second video on YouTube of her observation uh, of the lock from St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, of the webcam videos I've seen in the past, you know, the past two or three years, it seems like it's uh, more sightings have been uh, with the webcam the last two years, obviously. With the lockdown. Uh, this one is actually probably one of the best ones I've seen. And I was getting ready for blurry choppiness and vagueness and uh, just, uh, you know, just to add it to the fire pile of grainy, pixely, garbagey, five mile away y videos. But I'll be honest, uh, this was actually a pretty intriguing video. Uh, whether or not it's real or it was uh, altered in any way, I, I don't think so. I think she, she's very vigilant on watching this camera, and I think it's it's probably legit. Um, 
But again, it's too far away to really say exactly what you're looking at. Could be, um, yeah, it's, but it's definitely something there. It's creating a, a dark movement uh, shape, something. Uh, I don't think it's on the surface. It's probably just below the surface. Um, but again, it's not close enough to give you any detail or any extra data to, to give any uh, explanation. It could be a shoal of fish. Uh, could be the wind just hitting the waves right, creating a shadow that makes it look like a dark shape on the water. Uh, then again, of course, it could be the um, the Loch Ness Monster. Who knows? But uh, I, I think it's actually, uh, again, of all the sightings I've seen, all the videos I've seen, it's probably one of the more intriguing ones. Uh, but I don't think it's anything definitive of a monster. It's just, again, it's just something that looks cool, looks interesting. Uh, but I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's the monster. You know me. I'm, you know, skeptical, of course, very skeptical of a lot of that stuff. But yeah, yeah again, it's it's neat. It's interesting. And uh, kind of took me by surprise. I was pretty genuinely surprised. It was as interesting as it was. Again, but I don't think it's any kind of unknown creature or anything like that. It's just, just a weird shape. Uh, on the surface or under the surface, but yeah, I don't think it's any sort of monster of any sort. Uh, if you want to see that video, uh, pretty much all you got to do is uh, type in Loch Ness Monster on your favorite search engine, and I'm sure that news will pop up. Uh, it's the fifth sighting of the year, and I do have a link in here if you guys want to watch. Click on that link and watch while you're listening along in chat. Go right ahead. Hopefully that works this time. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Um, so that's one of the added benefits. If you're in the chat room, you're live in the chat room, uh, you get all the extra goodies. Uh, toss links in there sometimes. Also sometimes throw pictures in there. I don't think I have any this week. I forgot. Uh, or... No, obviously I can't. I don't do videos in there, but I do give you the links. And uh, I've been really forgetful lately. I don't go on Facebook too much anymore, uh, but uh, sometimes put on the links uh, through the official social media link uh, through Facebook for the Paranews Insider or Paranormal News Insider. Paranewsinsider dot com. And also on Twitter, at ParanewsInsider.com. Anything that goes on Facebook goes on Twitter. They're all connected. And um, they're all one thing. And Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, so you can tell how boring the news is this time of the year when we're talking about webcam sightings of the Loch Ness Monster. But ho you know, hopefully it's going to heat up a little bit as the temperature warms up. People get out and about a little bit more. And we'll get some uh, we'll get some exciting stuff this year. Uh, I feel it. Um, so what else we got? Yeah, we got more Lake Monster news. A little closer to home. A little north of the border. Up there. Over there. Somewhere. There it is. British Columbia. Yes. Uh, the uh, It appears the British Columbia, Canada's version of the Loch Ness Monster. Hey, I always hate calling it that because it's... It's a unique creature for that area of the world. Uh, but everyone always compares every lake monster to the number one 
the uh, the OG locked us. Kids stay, still say OG. I don't know. Maybe I'm too old. Uh, the uh, the British Columbia version of the Loch Ness Monster. There's a bit of a dispute going on with this creature. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't know about this. I didn't know that the name is uh, is a dispute. Yes, Ogopogo, probably one of the coolest names uh, of any lake monster, I think. We got Bessie up here in in Lake Erie. Kind of a a wimpy name, I think. Uh, But Ogopogo is uh, not only is that the nickname given to Lake Okanagan's famous lake monster, but it was also copyrighted back in 1952. Uh, I heard, I knew about this, and, and really nothing ever came of it. It was just uh, kind of a gimmick. So in 1952, uh, Edmonton-born radio broadcaster Gil Seabrook bought a registered trademark for the word Ogopogo. Uh, It was really a marketing and promotional scheme uh, for his local radio station. Kind of ruffled some feathers back then, uh, but uh, it wasn't a huge deal. It was just, you know, did it for attention, of course. That's what radio business is all about. It always has been, and it always will be as long as terrestrial radio is alive. It's on kind of life support right now. But in July of 1956, he offered the trademark to the city of Vernon, which essentially sat on it until this year. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Cancel culture at its finest. Uh, last Monday, the Vernon City Council voted unanimously to relinquish its copyright to the name Ogopogo immediately to the Silt Okanagan Nation. Yes, it's going back to uh, the First Nations and Native American people in the local area. Uh, Earlier this month, the uh, city allowed Don Levers, a self-publishing children's book author, to publish a follow-up to his 1985 book, Ogopogo, The Misunderstood Lake Monster. Man, the second book, it took you that long to write a book. I thought my stuff was taking me forever. Uh, so, yeah, they allowed this author to use the name Ogopogo on his book, uh, which now you have to go through the Okanagan people. And, yeah, they are First Nations and Native American people who occupy parts of British Columbia and Washington State. Um, I'm not sure what the whole debate was, if there was a debate or they just decided, you know, this guy asked for permission and we feel kind of awkward in this day and age, you know, maybe we should give it up before people attack us on Twitter. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they didn't really say. Uh, I just heard that uh, about the name. It's just relinquished. They handed it over uh, in an envelope, I guess. But it's not like they're making money off of it, which it should be. Man, that's a big generator of income. You know, we talk about that quite a bit about the Loch Ness Monster. How much money? It generates for the local economy. Um, from what I've seen, I've seen this uh, in the chat room too. Great place. It's it's beautiful. The pictures I've seen, I'd love to go up there. I'm sure the water's cold, but it's it's beautiful. I mean, the whole West Coast is uh, gorgeous. I've been to Washington 
a number of times and up to uh, the inside passage parts of Canada there and Alaska as well. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Pictures do not do it justice if you've ever been to that area. And I'm sure that nice little tucked-in area of Lake Okanagan is uh, equally as gorgeous. And it's a really strange-shaped uh, lake as well. It's long and thin, kind of like Loch Ness, of course. Uh, so, of course, yes, now the Okanagan people, they own it. So I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say Ogopogo or I have to put a, a quarter in the jar or in an envelope and send it their way. Um, I'm sure I'll be getting a bill after the show for every time I say, well, I better not say it again. It'll run out of money. Um, so, yeah, they uh, occupy parts of British Columbia and Washington State. And they don't think that it's the creature is a monster. They actually believe that it's a protective spirit of the lake. And now they're, uh, the Okanagan people will be responsible for granting the use of the copyright to the name Ogopogo. Yes, welcome to 2021. Let me see, Vancouver. Yeah, we'll get this link tossed in the chat room gently. Yeah, I gotta remind myself to start putting these through Facebook again. They, Facebook just got weird um, to publish links through your business pages there for a little while and they were updating things and stuff wasn't working and they weren't helping. Uh, so that's your Lake Monster news for this week. But that's not the end of the cryptid news. Actually, the biggest story in the cryptid news this week, maybe of the year, maybe of the century, maybe the last two centuries, Proof of Bigfoot. You know, what's the one thing that people always say, uh, the skeptics, that is, uh, about Bigfoot? Well, it can't exist because no one's ever found any bones. That's because we, you know, we find deer bones and bear bones and all sorts of bones of all sorts of animals in the woods all the time, right? Well, you know, deer may be on the side of the road, uh, but uh, if you're hiking deep, into woods, which most people don't. Um, yeah, you don't find much. It's pretty rare. Um, Florida Bigfoot researcher and author Connor Flynn took to his uh, TikTok page. I don't have one of those. Uh, at Bigfoot Anonymous to show off a fossilized bone he found. And he claims the bone is from a large hominid suggesting pretty much that it could be from Bigfoot. He doesn't really come right out and say it, but uh, it's there. It's there. Uh, so he says, uh, quote, all right, this is a fossil I found in a local creek here in Mariana, Florida. It's definitely a hominid thumb bone. It belongs to something that would have been much bigger than what I am. And for what I know, there was no hominid species other than Homo sapiens in Florida at any time. They just didn't evolve here. So if anyone is ever wondering why they never found any remains of Bigfoot, well, they did. They just swept 
under the rug. We're pretty big guys, six foot two, six foot three, and this is about twice as big as our thumb bone. It's heavy too, very heavy, and it's very old, unquote. All right, so let's uh, decompress this a little bit. Very old, very heavy. Well, if it's fossilized, it's not a bone anymore. It's pretty much a rock. Of course, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be heavier than uh, your thumb, and you can't really you can't really tell how heavy your thumb is because it's unless you cut it off. Of course, if you cut your thumb off and hold your thumb, you'd be surprised how heavy it actually is. Don't try it. Don't try it. Just trust me on that one. Um, you know, same thing. We don't realize how heavy our head is or our arms are or our legs are, for that matter. You know, our body parts weigh a lot, but we just get used to it. So that that's a silly thing to say. Um, I'm not sure about this conspiracy theory about people hiding, clearing out Bigfoot bones. I'm not, I'm not sure where that goes. Um, and as far as hominid species, uh, Florida would be tough because of the landscape, the way, you know, just the, just the way it is. Like it's everything, things decompose pretty quick there and you're not really going to find much fossilized stuff. Uh, I don't know how they found what they found or if it is even fossilized, could just be a bone, which is, uh, suggested by a lot of people that follow that channel. Uh, they say that he should get that thing tested, the bone that is, or the fossil that is. And others stated that it looked like it could be other things such as a toe bone of a bear. And from what I saw, I think that could be the case. It, it might be from another animal. I don't think it's a thumb bone. I think it uh, it could be of anything, anything of any other animal. Uh, but I don't think it's definitely a hominid thumb bone. And I don't think that it's uh, from a, uh, you know, a human type creature. But um, it is known that there were hominid species, you know, other than Homo sapiens in, in Florida previously. But again, the way the that soil is... If you've ever been to Florida, it's just things like swampy everywhere you go. Uh, so if you fell into the swamps, you fl fell into the the Florida the ground in Florida, you'd probably decompose pretty quick, uh, especially with the bugs, the heat. Uh, a lot of animals there, scavengers, tear you apart pretty quick. Uh, chew up the bones. A lot of animals like bones. I mean, it would decompose pretty quick and it, again it depends really on exactly where it would fall you know how big a creature was uh, but if it was a bigfoot that fell in florida eh, it'd probably take a few years for everything to go away wouldn't take too long though it could be just a matter of months really depending upon what feeds on it you know if you get uh, a lot of animals will eat the, the bones for calcium so it'll uh, it'll go away fast plus bugs break down that stuff really really pretty much immediately you fall down in the woods, you're dead. Yeah, you start decomposing really from the outside in anyway until the, uh, well, I won't get into what the bugs do when they get into your body, but uh, then it starts the other way uh, from the inside out. 
but uh, yeah, pretty quick. I don't want to be too morbid, uh, but yeah, I don't think you're going to find too much fossilized material. Stuff breaks down pretty quickly, especially in a riverbed. Um, you know, if you're out west, maybe, uh, but Florida, I'm not sure exactly where this was in Florida, though, so I should be careful. I mean, maybe if it's more north, you might get a shot, uh, but I doubt it, just the way that landscape is. Um, we'll see. That's a pretty bold statement, and we'll see if they actually get that thing tested, and if anybody else uh, independently looks at this thing to see uh, what it could be. I'm sure uh, somebody can look at that and know. I'm I'm not a a bone expert by any means uh, at all. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't think it is. It's, sometimes people get fooled. You know, their knowledge isn't as good as what they think it is. And sometimes we speculate a little too highly. So we'll see. Damn, I should have got a picture of that. And of course, it's from the Daily Star. So it's got to be trustworthy news. Of course, Daily News never publishes anything that's questionable for a dime. Uh, so let's throw that one in the chat room. Poof. There it is. So we'll move on from cryptozoology. You're going to get into some UFO news for the week. And as per usual, strange things in the sky lead to panic and speculation. What else is new? It's what always happens. And just like usual, kind of turned out to be a pretty mundane explain, uh, explanation, but it looked pretty cool from the videos I saw last Thursday, around 9 p.m. Uh, local time of this event, um, numerous people witnessed a fiery ball of light streaking from the sky. The, uh, the streak of light was basically, uh, it's kind of like, just imagine like little glittery balls on fire with little kind of like flame shooting out. It was just falling gently across the sky. Um, probably a pretty big streak. Lasted about a minute. I guess you'd call it like small balls of light, leaving long trails. Uh, a lot of people wondered if it was a meteor or a UFO. And it's funny to listen to videos sometimes when people are, you know, they're obviously caught off guard when they see these things going through the sky and, they, you know, they're not sure what it is. I think the added excitement of knowing that you're recording a video, uh, people say the darndest things. And one commenter on a video thought it might be a comet hitting Earth. And there was a comment about dinosaurs. Uh, one woman claimed she could smell it as it passed overhead, whatever that means. I'm not sure that's possible. Um, some even claimed they heard explosions which would have been uh, sonic booms of the streaking light, indicating that they were traveling faster than the speed of sound. Uh, so this was out west. So this is in uh, Oregon and Washington. 
And a lot of people were a little curious, a little scared, a little nervous, wondering what this could have been. You know, was it uh, the International Space Station crashing? And, you know, what could it be? Comet coming to end life on Earth? I don't think we can get that lucky, but what could it have been? Um, so, yeah, that smelling thing is kind of interesting. Um, and along with that, I, I swear, I'm one of these people. So shooting stars. I, I swear, when I see a shooting star, a lot of times I can hear it. But I hear it's not possible. And the more I thought about it, I realized it's not possible. Small piece of dust, miles and miles away, you're not going to hear it. It's just not going to produce a sonic boom. It's just a little flash of light, and it's disintegrated. But I swear I can hear it. Uh, there's some weird science about that. But um, a lot of people claim they can. But I've never heard of anybody claiming they could smell something uh, falling from space like that. But uh, the panic subsided. It took a couple of hours, and it turned out that they had an answer. The light in the sky was more than likely, I think now it's been pretty much confirmed, but at the time of reading these articles, it said more than likely, but it's, I think it's been confirmed that it was a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that was launched back on March 4th. The rocket failed to make a deorbit uh, burn and instead burned up about 30 miles above the Earth's surface. So it, it came back down uncontrolled, and uh, just burned up. That's easy money for SpaceX. Yeah, easy money. Uh, and it's highly unlikely that any decent-sized pieces would have made it to the ground. Uh, that thing would have burned up uh, that high up, going that fast. It's pretty cool, too. If you've ever seen uh, debris falling from space, uh, I've gotten the fortunate to uh, see forget where I was at somewhere in the Midwest and something fell this is some mundane satellite that fell and it's pretty cool it, it lasts a lot longer way longer than a uh, shooting star it's actually you know it seems like it's a minute but it's probably only about 20 seconds or 30 seconds or something like that but it's pretty cool see these streaks of light falling it's kind of like fireworks uh, but on a pretty big scale. It's pretty neat. Um, but, you know, when you see it, you don't know what it is initially, and then you whip out that phone, you start recording it. Yeah, it's a little spooky. It's a little scary. But um, hang in there. Usually somebody's got an answer for it. And uh, it didn't take long. There was actually, uh, they were tracking it. So the, the track went right over this particular area. So... Uh, they were they were pretty sure, and then once that uh, object disappeared from being able to be tracked, uh, obviously that was the case. That's what it was. Uh, just the satellite falling from space, making people think that a UFO was crashing. I know, not the news you were hoping for. We'll wait. Hopefully, we're going to get these uh, thousands of papers released from the government of disclosure. Should be happening check my watch here any moment now between now and june 1st we'll see 
Uh, I've seen a few articles kind of hyping this up. Um, we'll see. It'll probably happen during something big here in the United States, like a protest or, well, we got some coming up, I think, with some stuff that's going on right now. Uh, where's that up in Minnesota, wherever. So we'll probably have some kind of distraction coming up. They'll probably release it then. Nobody's paying attention. Anyway, uh, ghost news this week. The Lizzie Borden home. Now, we just weird. We just talked about this a few weeks ago, but not the actual home where um, the murders took place was for sale. But it was actually her childhood home or uh, not her childhood home, her home that she moved to after the court case. Um, you know, she was uh, set free. Uh, so she wasn't guilty of anything. She just uh, was let loose. So she uh, moved into this home. That one was for sale. But now. The uh, Lizzie Borden home where her father and stepmother were murdered with a hatchet about 130 years ago. Uh, it's been it's been bought. It's been sold and bought by ghost adventurers. Well, known not those guys, not those ghost adventurers, but by U.S. Ghost Adventures, uh, which is a large ghost tour organization. So you know what that's going to be. Uh, so the home is actually, it's not just a house. It's currently known as the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast and Museum. And according to the U.S. Ghost Adventures statement on the purchase of this home, uh, they will continue to keep it uh, operating as the museum and bed and breakfast. Uh, the previous owners uh, recently retired from having the home for 15 years and operating it as a bed and breakfast. So... Uh, hopefully, uh, they continue that trend, and they don't uh, they don't allow people to run amok, and they don't uh, change anything to uh, alter it too much. Apparently, it's it's still pretty much uh, it's been updated, but it's uh, not changed too much from its original uh, shape. Yeah, and how much? It's got to be cheap, right? Fifty thousand for this place. Sure, right. Uh, no. No, it's uh, pretty expensive. Yeah, it must be nice to have a cool uh, $2 million. Yikes. Uh, so the asking price was a cool $2 million. No word on how much they actually paid for it. Uh, if they just said, eh, you're asking $2 million? Sure, $2 million we got. Uh, for a ghost tour organization it's got to be a lot of money uh, hopefully it's an investment i don't know it must be nice to have that kind of money laying around the checking account but uh yeah they're also offering a sweepstakes i haven't seen this yet uh, visited their website didn't see anything about this uh they're celebrating with a sweepstakes which includes transportation and a two-night stay at the home got to be pretty uh pretty expensive to stay there so only going to give you two nights but i guess you get bored after a while but um hatchet not included apparently too soon no can't be it's 130 years uh 
so interesting. Hopefully, they, yeah, they don't mess it up or do anything crazy to it or uh, let, you know, rent it out to ghost hunters that go in there and tear it apart or burn it down. Something like that. Yikes. And uh, let's see. I missed the story. Keep missing stories. Uh, let's see. I missed this one. Top. Speaking of ghost tour uh, organizations, kind of, kind of didn't agree with this one. There was, they really missed a lot of stuff. So, for some strange reason, a few about a month ago, there was a number of websites that were pumping out the top, you know, top five or top ten best ghost tours in America, and uh, one was uh, on. A website called Kev's Best, whoever Kev's is, uh, top five best ghost tours in America, and they were uh, they put them in there backwards. So they started out with number one. You don't do that. Rule number one about a countdown: you don't start with number one. You ever listen to Casey Kasem? Did he ever start with number one? No. Uh, so I got these backwards. So number five was Bewitched After Dark. And Bewitched After Dark is located. If you haven't figured it out, the word witch. Uh, located in Salem, Massachusetts. Got to be some pretty good places to uh, to take people on tours out there. Um, number four was the dark side of Denver ghost tours. I'm not sure about Denver. I guess it's a pretty old town. Huh. Yeah. Ghosts. I, I never even heard of that one. Dark side of Denver ghost tours. Uh, number three, Savannah ghost tour. Savannah. So Savannah, I've heard a number of times that they they claim to be the the most haunted city in America. I don't know. I might give that to New Orleans, maybe, uh, or some some places in Florida. Maybe Saint Augustine would be a good one. Maybe uh, Chicago comes to mind. New York City doesn't get enough credit. I don't think. Uh, but Savannah, uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, companies down there in Savannah. Uh, last time I was there, I think, you know, you go to the hotel and they have those little racks in the, in the kind of the waiting area or whatever, the, by the front desk and it's got all the stuff, go paragliding, uh, go see the shark, go see the aquarium, see the sharks in the aquarium. Uh, go hang gliding or, uh, I don't know, parachuting or something. And then they have the ghost tour stuff down there in the bottom left-hand corner. Yeah, that one, they had a whole bunch of them. It's probably seven or eight that I saw. And I'm sure if you see those, there's probably even more all over the place. Uh, number two was the Haunted Sandy Ghost Tours. And Sandy spelled... S-A-N-D-I-E. 
the word die in there. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, that is for San Diego. I didn't know that uh, San Diego is that haunted. So the Haunted Sandy Ghost Tours made number two. And uh, city I just mentioned, New Orleans, NOLO, takes number one, the New Orleans Ghost Adventure Tour. The number one tour uh, voted by, I don't know who, uh, Kev. Kev's best. I mean, if you do a if you do a search on these, there's literally um, probably a hundred of these that different people, you know, vote for their best or their favorite. Uh, some of the best ones I've seen, I've seen quite a few. Uh, there's about two pretty big ones down in Key West, Florida. Uh, one they take you on a little trolley around and and talk about different places. Then you get off and, and you walk around. That one's a pretty cool one. Uh, seen a couple in gosh every state you go to pretty much if you stay in a decent sized city uh, Corpus Christi had a couple down in Florida um, I think even Orlando had some in Florida pretty much everywhere you go we've got them locally here in Ohio uh, probably one of the cooler ones is the uh, you can actually go and see and it's not really technically ghost related but uh, the Mansfield Reformatory you can go there and go on a tour uh, through the uh, the museum. Plus, you get to go and look around the local area and see different areas of uh, Mansfield where a pretty famous movie was shot. You might have heard of this. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um no, 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 not Air Force One. Of course, Air Force One was filmed there. I don't think they filmed anything in the city, though. Uh, a lot of movies actually filmed there. Uh, Tango and Cash. Uh, a lot of, lot of, a lot of music videos. Uh, a lot of rap stuff. Uh, but movie-wise, Stallone's been there a few times. Obviously, I'm talking about Shawshank Redemption, 1994. Uh, they have a lot of props there, but you can also go uh, around the town. Uh, there's a company that takes you around, and you can see different areas uh, of the uh, of that movie. But it's kind of all tied into the reformatory. I think that is a very cool uh, tour because it's history, it's entertainment, and it's ghost all tied into one. It's not just ghost stories where somebody walks around with a lantern and tells you a bunch of stories that are eh, probably made up just to get your money's worth out of it. Uh, but unfortunately, the bad news is uh, the tree that was there uh, where the, uh, he hid the, the note or whatever, that tree fell over. And uh, the remnants of that are actually sitting in front of the reformatory. Pretty sad, actually. Um Hey, everywhere is different. You can do different things. Um, my sister actually stayed in the room where Marilyn uh, Monroe died. She had some, she doesn't believe in all that stuff, but she heard some strange things and felt uh, some cold breezes and things, weird things happening. So yeah, just what you're into 
I guess you can find different either ghost tours or or things that relate to uh, to whatever you want, I guess. But ghost tours, uh, I think, are there's quite a few I've seen that are starting up. I've read a lot about uh, stuff all over the country that's starting back up. We're going to start taking money and taking people out. A lot of these are outdoors. Some of them are on buses. Uh, so uh, ghost tourism is pretty big, and it's uh, pretty widespread. So they're gearing up to get back out there and taking yo money. So um, sometimes it's neat, exciting, but don't take it all serious because a lot of it's uh, tongue-in-cheek, and a lot of it's probably, again, not true. Um, so last story of the night. This is a story that I haven't had time for. I've been kind of shuffling around it for a few weeks. And it's actually from the beginning of the month. I haven't had time to talk about it, but I, I think this is a really interesting story. It's kind of, I don't want to say one of my favorite topics, but it's just one of those topics that we don't get to talk about too often here on the show. And uh, a lot of people really like it. And it kind of freaked me out when I was a kid. I remember hearing about this and uh, I wasn't so uh, wasn't so happy to hear about this stuff uh, but this year a series of strange cattle mutilations has prompted the Crook County Sheriff's Office in the state of Oregon to issue a warning to livestock growers uh, like I said earlier this month so earlier in March uh, the agency says it plans on adding extra patrols to keep an eye out for suspicious behavior. Under Sheriff James Savage issued the news release, which said in part, quote, this area is very rural uh, ranch land, as well as public BLM land, Bureau of Land Management. Uh, you could say basically government owned. Uh, the cause of these cattle deaths were not natural and are under investigation, unquote. Uh, Sergeant Mitch Madden told News Channel 21 there have been three and possibly as many as four cases that he said, quote, certain body parts were removed from the cows, unquote. Uh, this has prompted many to automatically assume that aliens are involved. Uh, of course, I know uh, Coast to Coast website was covering this story as soon as it broke. Uh, because of some of the things that were said in the statement. Uh, but I think the reality could be a little bit closer to home. And, you know, I've seen that just when this launched, when this story came out, it kind of fizzled away pretty quick, but uh, I kept a link uh, because I kind of wanted to follow to see if anything were to happen. And the reason for that is, and I, I've not seen anyone else really mention this, on uh, any other paranormal news outlets that uh, this is not the first time. Yeah, I know we all know that it's not the first time for Academy relations, but this exact, I shouldn't say exact, but this kind of, well, I shouldn't say specific either, but general area of Oregon, it's not the first time that they've had cattle relations. And uh, according to News Channel 21, KTVZ, 
Uh, there have been several reports of cows and bulls with body parts and organs missing over the years uh, in a handful of counties in Oregon. And I do remember last year uh, I reported on a strange event in Oregon where uh, September 12th, a cow's mouth was sliced away and its tongue, glands, uh, and sexual organs were cleanly removed. And its ear was cut off and put on its neck. It's kind of weird. Uh, and the strange, weird thing about that one was the rancher stated he found no blood and no finger uh, footprints leading to or away from the animal. That one was uh, pretty big in the paranormal news. Uh, a lot of speculation about that. Of course, we immediately all look to the sky and think aliens. Must be aliens uh, doing this. Uh, so the summer of 2019, five bulls were mutilated. And uh, later on in September of that year, again, 2019, another one was found. And you could go back, I think, uh, even into the 80s, the 1980s in the same kind of general area. Like three or four counties have had these happening off and on for decades. Uh, so who is it? What's the reasoning behind it? And yeah, why has no one been caught? Um, you know, some of these areas are, are pretty darn big. So it's hard to track cattle. I'm surprised in this day and age, though, with technology that we don't have, like, you know, you can brand a cow. They've got the little thing in their ear. Why do they not have, like, satellite tracking on them or something like that? Or RFID chips where they go into a certain area of the field and you know where they're at? I, I don't know. God, they should have something, I, I would think. You know, a RFID chip, I'm sure you could have. shouldn't give the government this idea, but I'm sure you could track you know, we have it on our watches that we can track heartbeats. You know, why can't you track when, a, when an animal collapses and dies? Send out an alarm. Get on your four-wheeler and get out there. Find out what's going on. If you can catch people or at least dissuade them from doing this. I, I don't know. That's just kind of my thought. I'm sure that would be expensive to, to outfit your cows, but I'm sure you could take that off, you know, when you put them, uh, turn them into hamburgers, you know, pretty sure. Steaks. Uh, but yeah, seems like this has been going on for a while and no answers. But uh, uh, not all the cases are, dare I say, cut and dry with, uh, you know, no blood found at the scene or no obvious signs of uh, anything. Granted, a lot of them are that uh, it just seems like these animals just fell over and were sliced and diced. With uh, no signs of anybody being around. Uh, but maybe that's by design. Uh, of course, we can go back to 1967. I was just kind of thumbing through my book. Actually, my last book I ever wrote. Handbook for the Amateur UFO Investigator. I uh, got a nice little section uh, in my book talking about this uh, particular launching point. For uh, cattle, or pretty much cattle mutilations. Let's see, where's this at? Um, yeah, other aspects of UFOs. So this is part one. I know what I saw. Um, where I talk about Lady the Horse. 
so if you read articles, they call it Snippy, which really the name of the horse was Lady. Uh, but the press early on called the horse Snippy, which stuck. Sounds cooler than Lady. Uh, so it's lived on by Snippy the horse. So if you want to research that, you so unfortunately search Snippy, but you'll still find it if you type in Lady. Uh, so in 1967, this event occurred in Colorado and caused a lot of confusion, a lot of speculation about what caused this horse to be mutilated and some of the strange things that occurred with it. And, of course, it wasn't too much uh, after that that the area became the epicenter. That is, Colorado became the epicenter of a government investigation into a massive number of of cattle mutilations that happened in the 1970s. And, uh, yeah, that was the uh, the high point. Man, the 70s. Bigfoot stuff, UFO stuff, cattle mutilations, Bermuda Triangle. What a time to be alive. But, yeah, even then, even now, no answers. Uh, so if you have any cattle, you have any cow, you might want to hug them. Keep them close to the house. Keep them in the barn. Whatever you got to do. Get the night vision goggles. Sit out in your Jurassic Park Jeep. Keep an eye on them. Whatever you got to do. And uh, keep an eye on them. And be safe out there. Um, summer is here. Everyone's excited. Rip the mask off. Let's go. But we got to be careful out there. Uh, enjoy the weather. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Easter. Uh, with your family, uh, close family, but don't uh, don't push things that you you don't have to push. Uh, I know it's wearing on a lot of people, but uh, just hang in there, be responsible, and best of all, I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, and watch out for your cows. Keep the hair standing on the back of your neck, and always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else. Don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.